Good Wednesday afternoon, guys. My name is Jerry Miller. Thank you kindly for joining us on the I Love Seville show. We are in the shadows of Thomas Jefferson's University of Virginia, less than two miles from Scott Stadium, the John Paul Jones Arena, and the UVA Rotunda. We are a block away from the Charlottesville Police Department, a police department who yesterday raided a home on Charlton Avenue, which yielded the arrest of a mid-50s Charlottesville resident with mm -hmm. charges, ties to drugs and distribution. We are in the, what, a block away from the uh, courthouses of Charlottesville and Albemarle County? Courthouses that saw the alleged Rivanna trail attacker in its presence after um, the attacker has said its landlord, alleged attacker, has evidence that proves his, his innocence that the landlord is not releasing. Basically, uh, data that shows the alleged attacker was on landlord property and not on the Rivanna Trail during the time of these alleged assaults. We're a block away from the downtown mall. A downtown mall who is seeing its vacancy rates shrink to next to nothing and get closer and closer to returning to pandemic, pre-pandemic levels. While the vacancy rates are getting closer and closer to zero, the level of foot traffic is not at 2019 standards. Why is that? It's a question we've asked many times on the program. This show, guys, airs wherever you get your social media. If you could check LinkedIn for me. Please, Judah Wickower. It would be greatly appreciated. I want to ask you a couple of questions. And we'll unpack this with the help of you, the viewer and listener. Did old millennials, I guess I'm an old millennial. And give me a thumbs up when we're live there, please, Judah. Did old millennials and Gen, what are you, Gen Alpha? Gen Alpha? What, Gen X? What's your generation? I'm Generation X. Did old millennials and Gen Xers have less to spend money on? Dave Ramsey is so the charts quick. On. The chart's on, the generational chart. I really want you to get LinkedIn up. Multiple it's people up. asking. It's up? You're a good man. Thank you. LinkedIn is up for the folks that are asking. Ramsey, Dave Ramsey, very quick to throw shade about avocado toast, $1,000 cell phones, and Netflix streaming, and, and, and Starbucks lattes as distractions for general, generational wealth creation. Dave Ramsey, who I think is a little bit full of the doo-doo, frankly, um, yeah. says... Instead of spending money on said avocado toast and said $1,000 cell phone and said Netflix streaming or an Amazon Prime membership or Cafe Grande mocha lattes that run $7 from Starbucks, save the money instead and utilize it for opportunities that create wealth. This got Judah and I thinking this question. Did Gen Xers, which is Judah's generation, 
or old millennials, which is me, yours truly, if you put the chart back on screen, that would be great. Did we have less distraction for our disposable income? Less monetary pool for our disposable income? What were our avocado toasts? What were our $1,000 cell phones? What were our $8 lattes? What were our Netflix $20 a month, $25 a month streaming or our prime memberships? What were we spending our disposable income on? And did we truly have less distraction or competition for our disposable dollars than, say, young millennials and Gen Zers do? We'll talk about that on today's program. I also want to chatter on the show a conversation that Judah and I were having before the program started. A UVA student, unfortunately, is in a coma right now. This student was seriously injured after an alleged hazing incident at the Kappa Sigma fraternity on the grounds of the University of Virginia. Kappa Sigma is a mile and a half from this studio. This student, um, a second year transfer student, had been drinking heavily at the fraternity house on Rugby Road when he fell backwards and down a staircase and hit his head on the wall at the bottom of the stairs. This is a sad story. As someone who is a parent of two, seeing anyone, any children hurt, even college-age uh, college students hurt, is, is, is crippling and devastating for families. So I ask you this question. Is drinking to the point of blackout and drinking to the point of severe intoxication that leads to physical injury, even if physical injury was brought upon by the person that was doing the drinking and not brought upon by the brothers or pledges at a fraternity house, is that still considered hazing? Is 2024 the era where fraternity brothers that are of legal age allowing a second year who is underage to drink to the point of blackout leading to injury, is that now hazing in today's legal environment or societal environment? I want to unpack that question on today's show. I also want to highlight the fact that Fitzgerald Tire, the iconic building in Belmont, is still for sale. It's changed listing agents, and it's now listed by Darian Cochran, uh, one of the principals of Avenue Realty in town. The asking price has not changed. Still a million dollars for a fairly small building, 1,078 square feet, but with a fantastic location and exceptional visibility. Virginia basketball is in action tonight against the Boston College Eagles in Chestnut Hill. Boston College, a one-and-a-half-point favorite. This is a must-win game for UVA. They have three games remaining on the regular season. Boston College tonight, Duke on Saturday, and Durham. The odds of beating the Devils in Durham, I would not say are very great at Cameron. And they close the season with the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, um, at the John Paul Jones Arena a week from Saturday. UVA pretty much has to win two of its next three ball games, unless it's going to set itself up for a miraculous run in the ACC tournament. And no one wants that kind of pressure. 
We'll talk about that on today's show. We'll weave Judah Wickhauer into the mix. We also encourage you, the viewer and listener, if you look at the headlines, we have a slot for you to offer suggestions on topic matter for the program. You, the viewer and listener, as we crowdsource content. Um, we would love to pick your brain or pick a topic of your choosing apart like Thanksgiving turkey. So you and I, I mean, you and I relatively the same age. I believe I'm five or six years. You're a junior. Yeah. Um, you are a Gen Xer, a young Gen Xer. You put the chart on the screen. Are you a let's middle-aged see. Gen Xer? Oh, let's see. Get a little gray in that beard over there. Yep. Um, I'm you dye that beard? Dye it gray? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. I fall uh, closer to the end of, uh, of Generation X than the beginning, but it's not, I'm not like right on the edge or anything. So you're a middle-aged Gen Xer? I'm, yeah, I'm middle-aged either way. I'm <laughs> Touche. Well played, Judah. I'm an old millennial. Hmm. Yeah. Old millennial. I want to ask the viewers and listeners and you, Judah Wickhauer, this question. Did we have less competition or less sirens Drawing us to the jagged, rocky coast for our disposable income. The siren call of <clears throat> creature comforts. Did um, we have? Yeah, was, that's brilliant. I think we. I think we did have less competition for our dollars, but there were still plenty of things to spend money on. And I think we. I think we often forget uh, the the part that inflation plays. So. While this guy Ramsey may be, you know, maybe slighting the younger uh, the younger generations because of their choices on what they spend it on, we spent money on. I mean, like a CD was what ten, twelve dollars. That's dude. Probably- I remember CDs, CDs when I was in high school were like twenty bucks. Yeah, fifteen twenty bucks. That's why I remember and that's, the and that's probably at least thirty to forty bucks in today's dollars. Remember the mail order? What was the mail order? I think it started with a B. Was it BFG? It was a mail. Oh yeah, were, order CD provider. Yeah, that gave you this library, this like Chinese did, menu, this did, Chinese menu of CD titles, where you could order. X amount of CDs in the mail, and they would come at severely discounted prices. You'd have to pour through this like car, this like, and then you just had to buy like five or ten more in the course of the year after, in right. order to complete your. I did it with cassettes. I was a member of that for CDs, but if you went into a place like Plan Nine in Williamsburg, Virginia, it was called Echoes, mm-hmm. which was essentially the walk-in record store, CD store. It was a wonderful place. I remember going into going into uh, the big oh what was it um, Los Angeles right across from the Beverly Center. There was a um, there was a big music store. I remember I remember walking up and down the aisles looking for looking for music back in the back in the day. Kevin Yancey, Maria Marshall Barnes both highlight Columbia House. Yeah, 
Columbia House was one. There was one that also started with B. But thank you, Maria Marshall Barnes and Kevin Yancey. BMG? BMG. I think it was BMG. Yeah. Get their photos on screen. Plan 9 on the UVA corner. I do remember that Bill McChesney. Get his photo on screen. Uh, Lucy Lamb watching the program right now. Thank you for watching the show. The CD, if you went into an Echoes or a Plan 9, was $20. And I remember saving my money to buy a CD. I mean, first it was cassette tapes. Then it was CDs. Yeah. Like, literally saving to buy a CD. I remember my first shift. I was 14. Uh, Albert Graves, it is not on Twitter. It's on, we're, we're not connecting to Twitter, unfortunately. Uh, we have some kind of software issue, and we're still troubleshooting that, that problem. We apologize for those that watch the program on Twitter. We're working hard to get that software issue uh, reconfigured. My first shift as a busboy at the Sportsman's Grill in Williamsburg, Virginia. The Sportsman's Grill was very close to the neighborhood of Kings Mill, which a lot of folks in this area know. Kings Mill, fantastic community. Grew, I personally grew up in Kings Mill. A restaurant right outside Kings Mill was called the Sportsman's Grill, owned by Rick and Charlene Phillips at the time. It had a f- bar that was extremely active in an American-styled restaurant surrounding the bar with a sports theme. When I was 14 years old, I got a job at the Sportsman's Grill. This was my first job into like almost like a professional setting, if you can call busing tables a professional setting. Mm-hmm. I certainly did at 14. I certainly do now. Uh, prior to this job, and I've highlighted this on the program before, I was the landscape entrepreneur where I would start by cutting my neighbor's grass and the, the yard across the street. And then I started getting referrals where I started having three to four yards to cut a weekend. And then I realized I wanted to make some more money. So I got my buddies to take my grass cutting shifts. And then I would go door knocking and get more shifts to cut. And I did a revenue sharing plan as a 12, 11, 12 and 13 year old with classmates. I would knock on doors. I was the salesman closing the deals as 11, 12, and 13-year-olds. They were shy. They did not want to talk to people. All they wanted to do was cut the grass and make some money. So I managed the schedule, told them which grasses to cut. I went and checked out their work, and then I gave them half the yard cutting money, and I kept half for myself for basically checking their work and lining up the schedule. Had a fair amount of yards doing this. But then I was like, you know what? I'm 11, 12. I'm 13 years old. I've been managing all these yards, I think at one time it was, I mean, it was a dozen plus at one time we were managing. Um, I want to try something different. And I've heard good things of the Sportsman's Grill. My buddy at the time, his name was Jem. He's Turkish, C-E-M. Jem Oktawan, the late Jem Oktawan. He was working at the Sportsman's Grill at the time, and he said, Jerry, you know, I'm, I'm really enjoying this job. It's fast paced. The waitresses are gorgeous. They're all high schoolers or freshmen or sophomores in college. All I do is hang out with the waitresses and clean tables and ask the waitresses to buy me 
go to the ABC store and to buy us vodka and gin, which we party and drink with after the shift. I said, okay. Hold on, check this out. So I go into the sportsman's girls, a 14-year-old, and I said, Mr. Phillips, I like a job, sir. And he said, who are you? I said, my name is Jerry. My name is Jerry Miller. And he said, are your parents so-and-so? And I said, yes, that's my mom and dad. And he goes, they're right around the corner from us in McClaw's Circle, where their CPA practice is, right? I said, yes. My parents own a CPA practice in McClaw Circle right around the corner from the Sportsman's Grill. He said, you know what? You come from good stock. I remember his exact words. You come from good stock, Miller. I'll give you a try as a busboy. We're busy. We need the help. I'm going to throw you right to it. Lo and behold... That Friday night, I walked in on a Wednesday. I had no restaurant experience whatsoever. Literally no restaurant experience whatsoever. I walk into the Sportsman's Grill on a Wednesday in between the lunch and dinner shift, talk to Mr. Phillips, and by Friday night, I have a green Sportsman's Grill shirt on that he provided, collared shirt, golf shirt, black slacks that I had to go and buy, black shoes that were slip-resistant that I had to go and buy, and a black apron around my waist that he provided. He said, you're going to be bussing this section. You're going to have the section right next to the bar and this section up on the stage over here. Get to work. And that's how my bussing career started at the Sportsman's Grill. At the end of the first shift that I ever worked in a professional setting as a 14-year-old, I finished the shift... With you know how much money? No. Cash tips. The waiter and waitresses tipped you out. I'll never forget the blonde waitress named Kristen. She was a freshman at William & Mary. Man, the apple of my eye at the time. Made $18. I'll never forget it. A $10 bill, a $5 bill, and three ones. At the end of the shift, I call my mom up because I'm 14 and I need a ride home. She picks me up at like 10.47 p.m. on a Friday night. I get in the car. I said, Mom, you're not going to believe this. I just made $18. And I pulled the $18 oh, out of my no. pocket, sitting in the shotgun of our 740 Volvo GLE gray Volvo. She looked over at me and she said, Jerry, that's a boatload of money. I'll never forget her response. She gasped literally gasped and said, that's a boatload of money. $18, 14. This was like 1995, 1996, the year. And I said, I know, right? And at that point I was hooked. I get the excitement of a restaurant. I get to interact with all Rick Phillips seemed to hire was beautiful waitresses. There's sports on the televisions all over the restaurant. I was a sports fanatic, a sports junkie. I eventually was able to persuade these restaurants to go to the ABC or the Food Lion and buy cases of beer or bottles of Gilby's Vodka, only the finest for 14-year-old Jerry, the Gilby's Vodka. And I was leaving with cash money day of work. It was a 14-year-old's dream. 
worked that job for years, eventually parlayed that busboy job into a waiter position where I was working the, uh, working the floor as one of the few male waiters on staff. That $14, I very much remember saying, you know what, I'm almost close to buying a CD. I wanted to get the uh, MC Hammer CD that featured Too Legit to Quit. Remember that song? Vaguely. Too Legit to Quit. Yeah. By MC Hammer. That CD was more than what I made in a shift as a busboy at the Sportsman's Grill at Echoes in Williamsburg. Yeah. My point is this. Did old millennials, which is yours truly, or young Gen Xers, which is Judah Wickhauer, have less competition, distraction, or what did you call it? What was the turn of a phrase you use? I think I said less uh, competition for our dollars. No, that's what I said. You said something much more metaphorical oh. that I gave you props for. I highlighted the sirens oh. drawing our money to the jagged rocky coast, and you came in with something more poetic. Yeah, I don't know. The siren call of, uh, what was it? Something about luxuries, of simple luxuries. Sounded so much better the first time, Judah. I don't okay. know, uh, affordable luxuries? The Where do we spend our money Affordable on? luxuries? Yeah, I, I mean, there, was, there, was, there were always things to spend money on, but uh, I think, um, you know, I think <coughs> it's, it's less that we've, that we've changed our habits in how we buy things. Like, we were buying things back when we were, you know, when we were younger, uh, Kids today, kids today, uh, millennials, whatever you want to call, uh, young young adults are spending their money on stuff. And I found this and thought it was really interesting. Um, in in Korean, in Korea, they they have something called sohwak hang, and in Chinese, it's zhao ke jin. I don't know if I'm pronouncing those right, but they both translate to small but authentic happiness. And I think that what's, I think what we're seeing now is that those people that are getting derided for buying avocado toast and spending money on phones or whatever, I think, I think there's a bit of despair in that spending. I think they're, I think they're looking around and seeing that houses and cars and the lives that they saw their their parents living are further further from their reach than than they've ever been and so rather than rather than wasting time saving up for those things they're grabbing a little bit of happiness where they can and sometimes that's a an avocado toast and sometimes it's an overpriced cocktail at a at a bar that was well said very well said Judah Wickham um, the phrase is spend on experiences very common today yeah the young millennial and the Gen Z are wants to spend on experiences like vacations spend on experiences like concerts and then folks are quick to chastise well, that's money that could go to a down payment for a house. 
not realizing that uh, however much your avocado toast is, I mean, yeah, let's take... It doesn't uh, matter the price. Get yeah, sandpoint. Let's take avocado toast out of the, the equation and they're what? They're saving an extra thousand or two a year? I think most most of the people that would cons- that are e- that would consider that are going to look at it and say, "I'm sorry, but that's not a very fair trade-off," and I don't think it's going to work out in the end, anyways. And then you'll have the folks that actually do the sacrifice that go deep into like ramen for lo- breakfast, lunch, and dinner, however many days in a row, or bypass the streaming the prime membership the $25 streaming or make the sacrifice where in real time or over an x period of time you are living almost like below the financial margin despite not having to yeah. and that hard work pays off and turns into something of merit yep sometimes it does Maria Marshall Barnes highlights the fact that at Sam Goody, singles for cassette tapes were $5. Mm. In in, uh, Richmond, it was called Back Alley or Peaches, Kevin Yancey says. Neil Williamson highlights a link for the 22 fascinating teenage spending statistics. Hmm. Interesting. I'm going to highlight some of these 22 fascinating teenage spending statistics for you. Neil Williamson, the president of the Free Enterprise Forum. The average teenager spends 2391 per year, according to the Taking Stock with Teen research report. What do teens spend money on, generally? Well, we're asking. And Neil has that data. Clothing accounts for 21% of a teen's budget, which is the highest in the category, according to Piper Jeffrey. Food is the second most spending category, which is 20% of their spend. Upper income teens spend on clothes adds up to nearly 1,100 annually. 10% of teens spend go to shoes. Over 50% of teens shop on Amazon when compared to Walmart, Target, or Macy's. 83% of teens have an iPhone, which means shopping from a mobile device. I, my wife and I were talking about this. Our oldest son is almost six years old. And outside of the bills tied to our house, mortgage, and bills tied to our home, he is our second most expensive line item. Actually, you know what? I, 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 changed, I changed that. When you factor the total picture of what we're spending with him on, and I won't unpack the spend, our oldest son is more expensive than the total spend associated with our house. Our oldest son, who's not even six years old, his total spend, 
There's four people in our family unit. Wife, me, two sons. One son's 15 months old. Is he 15? December is 13. January is 14. February, yeah, 15 months old. Our nearly six-year-old, his total spend associated with him is more than mortgage and all bills associated with our house. I mean, without you breaking it down, it's hard for me to... Oh, I know for a fact. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying... No, for a fact. And it's gotten worse, and it will get worse every single year. Depending on how much you continue to buy them. I, there's, well, there are some things that you have to buy, we're, obviously. We're, what we're paying when it comes to him is more tied to... Um, it's less tied to uh, tangible and more tied to experiences. I mean, how would you characterize education? How would I, would I, you mean, would I characterize it as a, as a necessary No, as tangible or experience? Uh, I mean, I, would, I guess I would tie it to tangible. Uh, you would call that tangible and not experience? Just because it's a... Because there's ROI? No, just because it's a necessary expenditure. It's not, like, it's not something like, oh, you know, this year we're going to send our kid to school. So let's budget that in. It's no every year you got to send your your kid to school. So it's I would say it's less. Well, there's different ways to go about school though. So you're saying you're saying comparing uh, comparing public school and private school yeah. and tutors and that's fair. I mean, if you if you want to if you want to categorize it that way, that's fine. But it seems odd to put that in the experiential. Just, but having those two as the only options kind of limits. Uh, you know, I would still say that uh, school is is tied to necessary spend. It was a long way of answering that question. Well, uh, because I because you're not giving me options that really make a whole lot of sense to me. Private school tuition. First, public school tuition. Yeah. But I don't know what you're spending on your, on your son. So you're just asking me whether school is, a, uh, is a, an experiential or uh, A or B. And I'm, I'm saying s- is it tangible or is it tangible or experiential? And I'm saying that given the information I have, I would say tangible. I disagree with you on that. That's fine. You, I think you've got I, more information than I do. I, I do. I do believe the young, the old millennial and the young Gen Xer, which is you, I do believe we had less to spend on. The ubiquitous nature of phones in our hands. I mean, the phone in our hand alone, that's $1,000. I, I never would have been able to afford a phone. I never would have been able a, to. I would never have been allowed to have a phone. My, my, my parents uh, monitored our television viewership down to the 30-minute increment up until us being like 16 years old. Once I got to be 16 and I was driving, it was all hell broke loose in the Miller household. But literally, they kept us till 30 minutes of television a night. No video games, 30 minutes television a night, 
you had to play sports, you had to, you had to play sports and you had to make straight A's. If you did not make straight A's and if you did not play, uh, play sport, a sport every season, you saw, you saw the side of the Cuban mother that you never wanted to see. There's only one person in life that I'm fearful of. It's my mother. One person. Occasionally my wife. I will say this. I would never have been able to afford a phone. Yeah, I don't think most of us would. Um, and then the collateral damage of the phone is the spendability that's in the palm of your hand. That's if you give your kids the collateral the damage of the thousand dollars. The cell phone is not just the thousand dollar cell phone. It's then the fact that that thousand dollar cell phone is directly linked to bank accounts, to Venmo, to PayPal, to credit cards. And directly linked to the world's shopping mall that is Amazon, Target, Walmart, or any other brand out there that has an e-commerce store. That's fair, but anybody, any adult that's buying their kid a phone and then putting all of that information on that phone is... I don't even think it's the adult that's putting it on the phone. Well, how is a kid getting a credit card and a Venmo and a PayPal account? I mean, I know you can open them but how many kids have credit cards and you know I had like a savings account when I was a kid but it's not like I opened it myself it's not like I, I mean, went to the bank and said hey I'd like to buy stuff on Amazon I, the, one of the first things my parents made me do was open up a bank account any parent that's watching this program right now do this for your kid it's proved to be incredibly advantageous for me Go when your son or daughter starts a part-time job. First, make your son or daughter get a part-time job immediately. I am not opposed to our oldest getting a part-time job when he's like 12 years old. I had a part-time job when I was 12 years old. I had a part-time job cutting grass when I was 11 years old. I was walking my neighbor's pets when I was 10 years old. No BS. I literally was walking Nemo, the... the, Chow German, the Chow German Shepherd mix, 10 years old, walking it down Fairfax Way in Kings Mill. I was like, 63 pounds. Can you put the studio camera on? Nemo, the Chow German Shepherd mix, which literally outweighed me. This thing was a freaking Jack Diesel brown Chow Shepherd mix full of upper body strength and leg strength. I'm walking them down Fairfax Way, literally using my entire body weight to hold Nemo back. Any effing squirrel that ran by or any effing rancu that ran by, Nemo went after me, dragging 10-year-old Jerry down the cobblestone of Fairfax Way, scuffed up elbows and everything, holding on for dear life because I pray to God I did not lose the neighbor's dog. I did all that for $20 for a weekend of dog sitting. Friday afternoon, Saturday taking them out three times a week, and Sunday three times a week, and then I got paid on Monday before school as I drove by. Get ready, my oldest son. You're going to be doing that too. I'm going to find a Nemo for him. Parents, get your kids working as soon as possible, and then take some of the earnings that your kids get from working your part-time job and open up a bank account for them. In fact, if you want to take it a step further, open up a credit card in their name. Don't let them use the credit card, but have them do one transaction a month and then pay that credit card statement off. And then you will help your children start building credit. I went into college with credit.
the extent of what I wanted to spend my money on when I was a kid was like legitimately CDs, dates with whatever girl I was dating at the time, or asking the waitresses at the Sportsman's Grill to go get a bottle, a 750 milliliter bottle of Gilby's from the ABC store, or a rack of Old Milwaukee's Best. There's no craft beer at the time. There's no craft beer at the time. You scowl, you scowl at me like it's below you. No one was drinking IPAs then. I, I, it was Natty Ice. It was Zima. It was Beast. A, I didn't say anything. B, Your face said it. Yeah, it had nothing to do with what you were drinking. It's the fact that you were, like, what? You're, I, was, you're I started, I was, I was very mischievous. Alcohol I was very 14. bad. I was very, very Good bad. Lord. I was you very, very bad. sister's trouble I was on very, wheels. I was very, very bad. <laughs> I was very, very, very I've, I've highlighted on the show. Very, very bad child. Very, very bad child. The, the devil on the shoulder of the friends in the school. And there very, was nothing on the other shoulder. <laughs> oh, you're so funny. Huh? Oh, 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 oh. You got jokes over there. But that's it. I couldn't imagine with my personality type or maturity level, and it wasn't just me, but those around us, if we had this $1,000 gateway in the palm of our hands with the instantaneous nature of purchasability. But would your parents have been dumb enough to put a credit card on your phone so that you could easily access it? But if you have a part-time job and you connect your earnings to your Venmo account or your cash app, it doesn't matter. I was saving my part-time, I was saving my part-time job wages because there was not much for, for me to spend on. But if you just connect your bank account, then there's a limited amount you can spend. If you connect a credit card, you've still got a limit, but that's money that's spent but not yet paid for. Interesting conversation. Bill McChesney says, in order to have a paper route when I was 13, we had to open a checking account, deposit all the proceeds we collected, and pay the daily progress with a check. Hmm. Ginny Hu says, our kids started pet setting at 10. Can you get these photos on screen? Ginny Hu, watching the show. Our kids started pet sitting at 10. The older two both got real jobs at 15. I'll have to keep you updated on the youngest, but I imagine she'll do the same. Philip Dow, his photo on screen. Don't forget the government is watching what you do on your phone. <laughs> Big brother. I don't think it's just the government that's watching. My best friend watching. Peter as a kid, he had me hold his German Shepherd. That dog saw a squirrel across the street. You can guess what happened. Yeah. A 10-year-old dog walking. A 10-year-old walking an 85-pound dog down hey. a rock cobblestone street. I mean, it sounds like you... All that money got put to new clothes for you. I so had a I knee had a, pads and elbow pads. We had a golden retriever, and I he pulled me on a skateboard to my paper route, which was probably half mile, three quarters of a mile away from my house. So, Sherry Wilcomb watching the program. Is she in the family? Is Sherry Wilcomb on the power rankings? No. I love Seville.com forward slash viewer rankings. We, Neil Williamson's offered some good intel for the conversation. We've got to make sure we get Neil Williamson's photo on screen. Neil Williamson is 19 in the power polls. Get number 19 in the power polls, please. 
Sherry Wilcom is not in the power pool. She needs to be in the power pool. I love Seville.com forward slash viewer rankings. She needs to check in at number 39 in the power pool. 39 in the power pool for Sherry. She says, I agree 100%. Kids need a part-time job and have a checking account. They need to know how to balance a checking account. Too many parents just give their kids everything. Mine had to work for it. And now as adults, they are very responsible. I do not listen to the sports junkies out of D.C. I will try them on your suggestion, Albert Graves. Albert Graves is watching the program. He is seven in the power pole. Let's get his photo on screen. Who? Who? Albert Graves. Thank you. How do you spell Sherry's last name? Sherry, her name is spelled, great comment from Sherry, Uh, S-H-E-R-I. And our last name is W-I-L-L-C-O-M-E. I'm responding to her friend request right now. I just confirmed it. We're friends on Facebook. She needs to be on the power pool. Good comment from her. Thank you kindly. So I'm going to ask, I'm going to close this first topic by saying this. Do I think young millennials and Gen Zers, heck, even Gen Alpha, You want to put the generational chart back on screen? Do I think they have more competition for their disposable income, more sirens dragging or luring their dollars to the jagged, rocky coast that is taking your money? Yes, I do. I absolutely do. We had less to spend on. You had a a Nintendo when we were growing up. That Nintendo couldn't be in the palm of your hands. It was tied to one television in your house. We had CDs. We'd go to the Foot Locker and buy some shoes. We'd go to the food. We'd go to the food court in the mall and buy a slice of pepperoni Sbarro's pizza and some crushed ice Coca-Cola and walk around the mall. We didn't have all these other distractions. So be mindful of this as parents with your kids and offer some guidance to help them have saving habits or learn saving habits now. Because I'm going to tell you, the headwinds that young millennials and Gen Zers are facing are way more intense than the headwinds Judah and I face going from adolescence to teens to adulthood when it comes to savings. Way more intense. All right, next topic is a sad topic. And Judah, you want to set the stage for this one? This was your idea. I try to highlight good ideas. This was a good one for you. Uh, well, let's see. You're talking about the UVA student? The idea that you provided for the show. You provided one idea for the show. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, we, we talked about this at the uh, beginning of the show. The uh, UVA student who was tragically injured in an accident, um, the, I guess, uh, the investigators are alleging hazing, but I don't think we actually know if that was the case. And, I mean, we can, both of us, I think, can talk from our own, our own experiences with uh, <clears throat> with fraternities and you know 
I know that younger people can still be, uh, can still be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm trying not to say anything too mean. Uh, I think a lot of young people today are very much aware of things that we may not have been aware of at, at our age. Uh, you see a lot more kids, uh, taking part in, um, everything from, from like, uh, just get to the point, my friend. Okay. Um, to you, Jerry. No, I'm not trying to cut you off here. You're, 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 yeah. What are you trying to say? On a, I, go ahead. Go ahead. Come on. Come on. I just want you to be direct. Be more direct. Okay. Uh, let's see. Direct. Um, I think, uh, I think we have to wait and see whether or not this is actually hazing. Yeah. Okay. I, I thought that was the point you were trying to make here. And what you're trying to say here is, and I'm not trying to cut you off here. I, you were going the, the, you the bypass. You were taking the bypass loop to the point. This is what I think he's trying to say. In 2024, we are so politically correct about everything. Are we so politically correct that in 2024, if an individual chooses to get blackout drunk and that level of intoxication yields injury, is that now considered hazing at a college or university? Because everything that's been reported on this case, we don't want to assume anything, everything that's being reported on this case, it's nothing about, oh, the brothers made the second year grab a bottle of Gilby's and chug it until it was empty. You know what I had to do? I was a Phi Kappa Psi at the University of Virginia. The White House at the end of the Mad Bowl, the most iconic fraternity when you walk down Rugby Road. The one at the end of the Mad Bowl. I was the rush chair and the social chair over there. We as pledges had to swallow live goldfish, seven of them, literally murdered goldfish with our trachea. Seven times. Terrible stuff. We had to crawl on our hands and knees, mimicking goats up and down three flights of stairs, taking on the third floor, mouthful swigs of Mad Dog 2020, keeping them in our mouth as we crawled down on our hands and knees, to the first floor and spit and extinguish a fire out with Mad Dog 2020 fluid that was in our mouths. We could not stop until it was extinguished. We had to drink skunky keg beer, beer that was left outside in the sun for weeks, then tapped half a keg, 19 pledges, drink the skunky keg beer. We had to finish bottles of the cheapest gin possible that was left on radiators for days to get as hot as possible. Some of the most intoxicated times of my life were at that pledging period of my life. And we had no choice if we wanted to be in a fraternity. That's called hazing. Would you say that? Yeah. That's the definition of it, right? Forced to do something to gain entry into, into a club. 
Is hazing today someone pounding alcohol to the point of getting so drunk that they fell down a flight of stairs and hit their head and is now in a coma, so now the fraternity is liable? That's what you're asking. I'm saying that this sounds like the case of somebody joining a fraternity and drinking a lot. Just because they drank a lot doesn't mean that they were necessarily hazed. Right. Is that peer pressure? Is peer pressure now hazing? There's another question for you. I think it can be. I think it depends entirely. Peer pressure can be hazing? If. Yeah, if you're in a fraternity and they're and everybody's yelling at you to chug, and you think that that's what you have to do. It, when I was when I joined a fraternity, we had we did something called Happy Apple Time, oh. where we they stood up stood us up against a wall, passed a red onion between us. Oh. We had to take a bite, followed by a bottle of cheap vodka that you'd take a swig from. And you'd keep passing them back and forth. One of the guys didn't drink. So they gave him water. That's, I mean... That would never have flown with what we had to do. If any of us had said we we're not going to drink, they would have said... And we already agreed that, that your fraternity was, did some massive hazing. Oh, massive hazing. Pa- hitting with paddles. If anyone had wall sits, push-ups... We ran buck-ass naked through AKO, the sorority right next to Phi Kappa Psi. These, the brothers were such jerks. They flooded the basement floor, the basement of Phi Kappa Psi. They literally flooded it. Why they chose that is because the basement in Phi Psi had a drain. They put boards around the edges of the room so the water would get to two-by-four levels. Then they told us to strip our clothes. They dropped bags of ice into this water, stripped our clothes, and told us to belly flop into this basement pool that they made. We're talking like four inches, five inches of ice cold water. Buck-ass naked, belly flopping for the point of shrinkage. And then after shrinkage, we're told to sprint through AKO, the sorority next to us. Yikes. Okay. Definition of hazing. And so, if anyone said no, they were uh, said, all right, you're out. Yeah. And the deeper you got I mean, into it. that sounds it, like a great bunch of people. Um, the deeper you got into it, the more pot committed you were, so the less likely you were going to say no. And the deeper you got into it and the more pot committed you were, the worse the events became. Because they knew they had leverage. Till hell week. And Hell Week was taking you out, all of you, your entire pledge class, with very little clothes and dropping you off 30 miles outside of town in a place you had no idea where you were. Alrighty then. Today, we ask this question. What, what I'm highlighting was the definition of hazing. Today, what potentially happened at Kappa Sig was a second-year transfer student got drunk on his own merit, so drunk that he, potent- that he fell down a flight of stairs, mm-hmm. hit his head, and is now in a coma. Yeah. 
And we ask the question, is that now characterized as hazing? Mm -hmm. And if we wanted to take a step further, would we say this? What is that an indication of today's society? That we're so quick to pass the personal buck to someone else for mistakes that we make ourselves. Hmm. Right? Or am I not being empathetic here? Yeah, I mean, there should be a certain amount of personal responsibility, and just because the guy was drinking doesn't, necess- doesn't necessarily mean that he was being hazed. I think we'll have to wait and find out more. Um, I also think that uh, I also think that uh, what were you calling it Um, I think there's a big difference between um, between hazing and uh, and having people cheer you on uh, but at the same time uh, a fraternity has a choice, and as I pointed out, that choice can include not forcing someone to drink. Deep Throat watching the program. Get his photo on screen, number one in the family. We really got to get this Twitter thing figured out. We're not streaming to Twitter right now, and it's like crushing my soul. BMG was the mail order CD catalog. Loved BMG and Columbia House. He said there were a, th- these were both a scheme for the big record companies, distributors, to unload excess stock of inventory. BMG yeah. and Columbia House. I mean, CDs cost what, like twenty-five cents to make. Right. So the most expensive thing in the CD is the licensing rights to get the music on the CD. Yeah. He says he also says this. Here's a good one. Quintessential deep throat. Most dramatic inflation categories over the last couple of decades are very much concentrated in services related to child rearing, education, and he associates that with the drop in quality of public education, pushing people into going private or supplementing both, of which have increased dramatically. He also highlights healthcare and insurance costs for kids. Cost of sports leagues and training, massive increase in price, and also expectations of what intensity of training is reasonable. Dude, there's our uh, oldest kid. So my brother and I have, uh, you know, we have good hand-eye coordination. My brother and I. We just grew up playing sports that were tied to hand-eye coordination, whether it's baseball, you know, basketball, tennis. We had a pool table. We were shooting pool. We had a, a ping-pong table in the garage. They just constantly, my parents had my brother and I competing in everything. We were very tight in age, and everything we did was competition, school, sports, who could put their jacket on, who could get in the car the fastest, put their seatbelt on the fastest. Everything was a competition. Is, for the most part, an incredible positive. There was that one time that my younger brother tried to attack me with a butcher's knife in the kitchen and had a murderous rage look on his face. And if it wasn't my Cuban, if it wasn't for my five foot two, 
105 pound Cuban mother jumping in front of my brother and snapping him out of his serial killer rage and back into Williamsburg reality to prevent the butcher blade from going through my heart, killing me and sending me into a grave. He may be in jail right now. I actually told that story uh, at his wedding. He still gives me a hard time about that. My point is this. We constantly were playing sport. I'm noticing with our oldest son that he also has some hand-eye coordination uh, advantages and strengths. He stood out in, in baseball, did t-ball, our son, and was able to hit from both sides of the plate. Part of that could be that when he was one and two years old, I set up the batter's box next to the coffee table where there was no right batter's box, right-handed batter's box, and forced him to learn how to hit left-handed because he wanted to hit the ball I knew was right-handed, but I took the right-handed batter's box away. Larry Chipper Jones, the third baseman for the Atlanta Braves, his father strapped his arm behind his back when he was a kid with a belt to make him learn how to hit a baseball left-handed. Sounds torturous, but now one of the best decisions in Larry Chipper Jones' career, a Hall of Famer and a very, very wealthy man because he could hit from both sides of the plate. One of my favorite players of all time. I wasn't allowed to use the belt to strap his arm behind his back when he was two years old, unlike Larry Chipper Jones' father. My wife would have yelled at me. So instead, we just set the T next to the coffee table where there was no right-handed batter's box, only a left-handed batter's box, and that's how we learned how to switch it. When he was playing T-ball, he was the kid on the team that was hitting from both sides of the plate, Mm -hmm. where the other kids weren't making contact from the ball. Get, making contact with the ball. No. We're seeing it with squash. He loves it. We're seeing it with pickleball. He loves it. He loves hitting the ball. He's going to start today, actually, doing a clinic with seven and eight-year-olds instead of the five and six-year-olds, something that we were uncertain about. But the five and six-year-old clinic, he's five, was just boring the bejeebus out of him. He was watching the folks next to him not be able to hit the ball. And he could hit the ball. So we decided to try a seven and an eight-year-old in conjunction with the powers that be. And he's going to try it today. My point is this, and this is Deep Throat's point that he's making. Kids that are playing sports these days, they're not just playing sports, they're specializing in sports. Us growing up, It was like soccer one season, baseball one season, basketball, tennis. We would play sports. I mean, eventually we got to playing soccer year-round because those were the two sports my brother and I were really, really good at. Soccer was a sport we were really good at. But it was like every season a different sport. Now they're specializing in sports. They're playing one sport year-round at a much earlier age. And not only are they playing that sport year-round at a much earlier age – They're working with trainers and coaches on the side. Mm -hmm. Kindergartners have tutors for reading now. Apparently they need them these days. Uh, When I was in kindergarten, when you were in kindergarten, did you have nap time? I don't remember nap time. When I was in kindergarten, we had nap time. There's no nap time now. Hmm. I remember 
My I'm, wife straight I'm up says the stuff that he's doing right now was the stuff that she vividly remembers doing in the third grade. And he's in kindergarten. The stuff that he's doing now she was doing in the third... So I thought you said... The stuff that he's doing right now in kindergarten she vividly remembers doing when she was in the third grade. So you're saying he's way ahead. Not, I'm not, I, I'm saying, I'm not, and actually I'm not saying that. I'm saying the, the curriculum is that rigorous. Cool. Ginny Hu says that specialization is hurting their developing bodies. Studies show that playing a variety of sports is better for both physical and mental development. Yeah, 100%. And happiness. And happiness. Totally agree with that. But what I'm seeing is there's kids specializing in certain things and other kids almost at even a very young age feel compelled to want to do the same thing because they've made friends with those kids and they want to keep being around them and they also want to keep getting good like they're seeing their friends getting good at it. 100% Sarah Hill Buchensky about studies and burnout. 100%. No doubt about it. One of my biggest fears is the burnout. No doubt about it. And I've read the same thing. You know, there's another thing called redshirting in kindergarten. Are you familiar with redshirting in kindergarten? Is that anything to do with Star Trek? What's that? Then no. What's star, what, what is redshirting to do with Star Trek? If you have to ask, I'm not going to explain it. I, I know very little about Star Trek. I know. What is redshirting in Star Trek? You don't want me to explain it. Okay. I'm sure somebody will explain in the comments. Redshirting in kindergarten is taking, and it, pertain, it pertains primarily to boys. I'm not surprised. Taking boys that are younger on the kindergarten age spectrum and holding them back a year, not because of academic performance, but because of athletic performance. Having them, them become be bigger? bigger, stronger, faster. Oy vey. So then when they repeat... So this is something that parents do, not, that, not something that kids do to other kids. Kids not doing to other kids. Parents doing for their kids, specifically boys. Choosing to hold them back in kindergarten so when they repeat kindergarten and then they start their trajectory from kindergarten, first grade, into elementary, middle, and beyond, into, into high school, they're bigger, stronger, faster because they got an extra year at kindergarten. And the idea of redshirting in kindergarten, it seemed to be an easier transition for the kindergartner because they don't really remember what happened in kindergarten and kids are less mean. If you happen to redshirt when you're in 10th grade and you redo the 10th grade, everyone in the high school is going to know you're redoing the 10th grade and you're going to get made fun of. But if you're redoing kindergarten, it's going to be a thing for a day and then people are going to forget. Carly Wagner, 100%. She says there are still plenty of casual sports families. Let's get Carly's photo on screen. We need to get Sarah Hill Buchensky's photo on screen too. Carly Wagner, let's get hers on screen. She's number three in the family. Sarah Hill Buchensky is number 23 in the family. Let's get her photo on screen. Uh, Ginny says, so funny, Judas. She appreciated your joke. Red shirt characters in Star Trek are always the first ones killed off. Is that what you were referencing? Yeah. They're usually the uh, low end of the totem pole, and when they go on a, an away mission, you 
can be fairly certain if anything happens to anyone, it's going to be a red shirt. Sarah Hill Buchensky showing some vulnerability here. She said this. I respect this comment so much. She says, we should have red shirted our son Noah. He's a summer birthday hmm. for, so kinder- for kindergarten. He was ready academically, but we did not know any better. He's great at basketball, but he's very, very tiny. If you're passionate about basketball, yet you're five foot five and 110 pounds, I hate to tell you this, but you're going to have a hard time being good at basketball. You could be awesome at dribbling a ball. You'd be great at shooting a basketball, but you're still five foot five. Yes, I know there are exceptions. People like to po- point to Muggsy Bogues or Spud Webb or Nate Robinson. You can count the exceptions on one hand. You know what they say, exceptions prove the rule. Exactly. You want to know something? I got held back in kindergarten. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Was it for beating, other, beating up other kids? No. Was it for not knowing how to spell words? No, just being, having ants in my pants. <laughs> having ants in my pants. <laughs> Janice Boyce Trevelyan says, they hold them back, then they get bored with the curriculum and cause discipline problems. That's exactly what happened with me. That's, 100%, that's exactly what happened with me. They hold them back and then they get bored with the curriculum and cause discipline problems. That was me to a T. 100%. All right. It's 142. Now, what do you want to add here? I apologize I cut you off here. <clears throat> I did not mean to... I was rude. I shouldn't have been rude. I just... Very direct. You know, you were taking the, the belt way to get to, you've, to, you've get to Cherry driving, Avenue. You've been driving around the Beltway this entire show. No, I don't think so. What else you want to add there? Uh, I don't know. I don't think I have anything to add. You don't have anything to add? You don't want to add any Star Trek stuff? Mm, I mean, I, I'm not even sure what we're talking about right now. We've kind of gotten off track, and now we're talking about kindergarten and uh, Judas shirting. closing thoughts. There you My go. Closing thoughts. Uh, Charlottesville residents can get free trees from the city. Thank I think you. that's awesome. And I think anybody that's living in Charlottesville, neither Jerry nor I are otherwise, I would definitely uh, take Charlottesville up on this, should be getting as many free trees as you can. We are quickly uh, cutting down. Our, uh, our tree cover. I forget the exact term for, for all of it. But uh, we need a lot more trees than we are currently planting. And so everyone that can help, plant trees. Please plant trees. Plant trees. Amen, brother. We need trees. The unfortunate thing is there's a direct link to tree cover and socioeconomic status. The more robust and the deeper your tree cover, the more likely those living in the area have money. Yeah. Areas that have next to no tree cover, the more likely financial margin or worse. Yeah. 
Neil Williamson highlights the fact that his son, who played on the offensive line for the William & Mary tribe, head coach Jimmy Laycock, legendary coach for William & Mary. I grew up going to William & Mary football games, parking at the food line by just down the street from uh, Zabel Stadium. My brother and I, my mom and dad, we'd walk to, uh, to watch William & Mary football games. We'd have a football, a Nerf football. We would throw it back and forth as we were going by Greenleaf, as we were passing the college deli, as we went by Paul's Deli, as we got a hot holly or a gringo sandwich, and then went to Zabel Stadium. His son, Neil Williamson, played in the offensive line for the green, green and gold. Green and gold or green and yellow. Jimmy Laycock, the head coach, said that he loved the fact that his son, Mark, played high school basketball and baseball. 100%. There's no doubt that playing multiple sports is going to be less stressful and it has way more upside and it's going to create more happiness. Just seeing less and less of it. All right, that's the uh, Wednesday edition. I think what he's trying to say is parents don't pin your hopes on your kids. Let them do what they want to do. Let them play their games. See, I don't buy that. You don't buy not pinning your hopes on your kids. I don't buy letting let them do what they want to do. I'm not saying let them do anything they want to do. I I don't I don't even buy up until a certain age giving them the latitude of giving them a freedom of choice with their free time. If I gave it, if I left it up to my son, if my wife and I left it up to our son, if my wife, she's texting me right now, if my wife left it up to our kindergarten age son right now, you get to do whatever you do. All he would want to do is play YouTube all day. He would sit on his ass and rot his brain all day with YouTube. But nobody watching thinks that that's what I'm talking about. I think they do. No, there's no way. Parents do... Not talking about letting your kid sit on the uh, the parents need to tell their kids what to do. YouTube all day. Parents need to tell parents. You don't have kids. I know that. You're just okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. What are you talking about? I'm talking about not. I'm talking about not pinning your hopes on your kids. I'm not talking about YouTube. I'm not pinning your hopes on your kids. What does that mean? That means that the failed high school football star who forces his son to exclusively play football because he wants a, an all-star uh, letterman in his family is very much different from letting your kid be on YouTube the whole time. I'm talking See, about... See, I don't think that's... I don't think that's what parents want. I think what parents want is I'm they want... all of them do. I... What... And I'll say what I think mo, all... Just about all parents want. You know what just about all parents want with their kids? It's very simple. They want them to be the best versions of themselves. Okay. Every parent that's watching this program is nodding their head in agreement right now. What do you want with your son or daughter? To be the best version of themselves as many days as possible, as long as possible. And whatever that version is, whether it's sports or reading or school or poetry or forensics or, or, or creative writing or art or music, that's awesome. But with my kid, if I let him do, if I said, go pick, go, go fill your free time with your passion. He's five, though. If I, if I said, go fill your free time with your passion when he was 10, 
or when he was 12, he would say, okay, uh, give me a Nintendo Switch. Give me an iPad. And he would sit in the same spot for hours. Or, or let me see TikTok. My niece is like 11. You know what her, one of her favorite things to do? TikTok. What was the guest on the Juicy Details last week? She, she was talking about it on the show, getting her daughters off of TikTok. Mm-hmm. We need to s- determine what our kids do with our free time, with their free time. And the more I spend, and the more I spend as a uh, father, the more I realize it's like, it's not about being best buddies. No. It's about, you're going to figure this out with the help from me, whether you like it or not, because I have the benefit of the school of hard knocks. And I don't want you to learn it the hard way. I want you to learn it the right way, the efficient way, and be the best version of yourself. Mm-hmm. All right, that's the program. We're uh, back tomorrow. Today, Minyana is at 10.15 a.m. And then the uh, I Love Seville show is 12.30. For, um, what's the guy from Star Trek, Spock? That's one of the guys from Star Trek. For Spock over there, who am I? Are you Spock? Who would I be? I think we should ask our, uh, our audience. What was the blonde girl's name? She's pretty. The blonde girl in Star Trek? Yeah, wasn't there a blonde girl? There was uh, Gene Roddenberry's wife. Who was the lead female in Star Trek? The lead female. I mean, I don't know. Can I say female there, or am I supposed to say woman? You're supposed to say woman. Who's, I have to say, where's, who is the lead say, woman? You can say female officer. <laughs> it's not hazing. It's hazing. Who's the lead woman? Uh, I need something more to go on. Are you talking about Who's the original Who's the primary Star Trek? woman in Star Trek? Uh, I mean, there was Uhuru. She who? Wasn't, she wasn't blonde, though. Okay. So, but she's the primary Dr. Crusher, Aurora, or Janeway? Next generation? I mean, (laughs) just give me Marsha, 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 and Cindy, and Jan. All right, we're out of here. Judah and Jerry. The the Brady Bunch? Really? Everyone knows Cindy, Jan, and Marsha. All right.